0: Listening to episode 260 of the Ruby on Rails Podcast, and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Nate Berkapec is the proprietor of Speedshop, a Ruby on Rails performance consultancy. He has also worked for several startups, including Craft Coffee, Unwind Me, Scaffold, Branch, and many others. He's a contributor to several open source projects such as Ruby on Rails and Century. And a fun fact, listeners, he appeared on Shark Tank, ABC's primetime entrepreneurship show, when he was just 19. Welcome to the show, Nate.
1: Hi, Brittany. Thanks for having me.
0: Wonderful. Well, Nate, can we uh, please hear your developer origin story?
1: Oh, my developer origin story. Okay, so uh, I went to college for um, business, actually. Um, And I really wanted to work at a tech startup. This was like 2008 through 2010 and startups were just kind of coming back. Twitter like, just launched, right? So that was a thing. And I really wanted to work in in that area in tech startups. And I remember having a conversation with um, uh, a professor of mine and I said, if I want to do this, it sounds like the easiest way to do it, the best way to do it is to become a programmer, to become technical. Because all the business positions at these companies, I mean, there. first of all, there aren't that many at a tech startup, especially, you know, the earlier stage stuff. And it's just so much harder to to get involved. Um, you know, the especially back then, programmers were like gold. It was like, you know, trying to find needles in, in haystacks. And uh, so it sounded like, I, you know, if I wanted to do this, that would be the best way for me to get into it. And so that's when I started teaching myself Ruby on Rails, because that was, I think, right as Rails... 3 was being released um, right before and uh, so it was like really it was super hot back then it was like the peak of its popularity so like if you're gonna learn web development that was the thing you were gonna learn right and uh, yeah so I started teaching myself um, there it was before boot camps I didn't have any of that um, I, uh, I just kind of locked myself in a room for a week and tried to build something with rails and then kind of went from there <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So um, you do a lot of work in the Ruby and Rails community. Why do you continue to be so loyal to that community?
1: Uh, yeah, I get that question a lot. I get a lot of people telling me I should jump ship for whatever the hottest. Please new
0: don't. Thing is,
1: <laughs> I get that. I get that quote-unquote advice quite a bit, and um, you know, I, for one thing, I just really enjoy writing ruby and i don't enjoy writing other languages i don't know i think it's partly because it it writes in a way that's very similar to english and i when i mean that i mean like it's very it's there's so many different ways to do the same thing that you can write something in a way that makes se- sense for the context so you know we can write things in ruby that have the same complexity and context sensitivity that we can have when we write things out in English. And I love that. It feels so unrestricted. It feels um, so expressive. And uh, I haven't, I, I mean, I haven't had some massive experience in other languages, but I just haven't seen that. And I, and I certainly haven't seen a community place so much emphasis on that sort of um, expressiveness as, as Ruby does. So... Um, or, or even just an emphasis on programmer happiness in the same way Rumi does. So that's, that's kept me here.
0: So as anyone who follows you on Twitter or just what you do in general, um, you are very focused on web performance, which is really great. But what led you down to that very focused niche?
1: So I, I had a job at a, um, e-commerce company. It was uh, selling things online. And, uh, I just remember reading a lot of things at that time about, how an e-commerce um response times are are important and you know there's a reason why every time you go to amazon.com i think you kind of realize it's a pretty fast site and that's because amazon's realized that if you want someone to buy something you need to lower the friction and make it as easy as possible to do that and one of the best ways we can do that is uh to make the site faster and uh i think Bezos has said that in 20 years, no one's gonna wake up and wish that their website was slower. So I, I started getting into it for that reason, and I, I just found that I really enjoyed the work. I really enjoyed uh, the, the the concrete nature of it. The you know, I, I start with a number that's 500, and I try to turn that number into 250 or something, right? Like it's a, it's very concrete. It's very um, uh, easy to follow in terms of like whether or not you're making any progress, um, you know, with user, user features and stories, right? Like, especially as developers, like we might, first of all, we might ship a thing and then never know what the user thinks about it. And secondly, like you can ship things and you, it may not actually make things any better. Like you can write features and it comes back and the user hates it, but no one's going to hate the fact that you made their site faster. And if I can turn something that goes from, you know, 500 milliseconds to 250, that's always better than the thing that came before. So it's very, it's very measurable. It's very, um, everyone loves the, the, the output. Um, you know, the, the bean counters love it because, uh, if you can speed up a site by twice as much, you can run it on twice as less, you know, half as much hardware. Um, so it's, it's just very rewarding work in that sense.
0: Yeah, I love how you tweet out graphs of just small changes being made because it can be just such an incremental change and just have the throughput just drop. It, it's yep. very satisfying yep. any, anything, to look at.
1: Anytime I get a really major you know, graph that slopes down and to the right from a client, I always ask if I can cut their name out and <laughs> post it because uh, I love seeing that stuff too.
0: Well, speaking of, uh, what is a day in the life of Nate Bergepeck and Speed Shop?
1: Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, So I'm kind of splitting my effort between a lot of different places this year. Um, Last fall, I started experimenting with um, doing some uh, workshops in person um, in New York and San Francisco. And uh, they went really well um, and did really well. So I'm going to do more of those in 2019. So a lot of my time is spent um, preparing for those and and improving the the curriculum for those in-person workshops. Um, I also do a lot of writing, so uh, the way I see it, my public blog is sort of like the funnel or the the, the first place that that people will ever hear about me or, or know what I do. So I try to write a lot. Uh, I post it for free to kind of, you know, turn people on to, to what I'm doing. So, I mean, I spend maybe up to... of my time just, um, trying to write more. And, uh, then the rest of it's work for clients. Um, I have a, uh, pretty defined, um, engagement that I do with clients now where it's kind of like an audit, um, where I'm auditing their, their app, giving them some ideas of places to improve and stuff like that. So I guess it's a, you know, uh, a split between all those different, those different areas.
0: So basically every day is different. It sounds like
1: yeah, I try to mix it up. It's <laughs> um, great with the writing. I have to put it all in one chunk because, you know, it's it's. I find it very hard to get into the the writing space, uh, like the place where I can actually get that done. So I can't just like split it up. I've tried to split it up where it's like I spend the first hour of the day writing, and the second hour on client work, and the third hour doing this and that. But it's just like the, I just can't get into it enough um, to where I can make a, a good effort, I guess.
0: I feel the same way about writing code, so I completely get that. Hmm. So you touched upon that you work with clients. So when you sign on a new client and you've just opened the repository, what file do you tend to look at first? Hmm.
1: Well, I tend not to look at the code first. What I look at is oh. um, their their application performance monitoring service. So. Uh, the big ones nowadays are New Relic, Skylight, and Scout. So that's usually where I go first. Um, and I look for a lot of things there. Um, you know, just overall response times, like what, what bucket are these these people in? You know, are we talking about a one-second average response time or a 100-millisecond average response time? And, uh, you know, what, what parts of the app get the most traffic? Because if one... Control action gets eighty percent of the traffic. Then, if I make that action twice as fast, then that eighty percent becomes forty percent, and now I've cut forty percent of the total uh, time that this app spends running out. Right. So it, it gives me an idea of where's the most profitable places to 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 put my attention. Um, so I'm 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 driven more by. By, um metrics um, from actual production usage then I am just reading um, code. I'll go back and read the code after that. So I say, oh, this action looks like it has an N plus one. Like, oh, you looked up users 2,000 times every time you run this action. You clearly have an N plus one issue. So I'll go back to the code then where I think the N plus one will be and then go find it.
0: Yeah, I actually have an open ticket because my boss attended one of your workshops. (laughs) Crap for it. So can you tell us more about Tune, which is a project that you maintain, including what it is?
1: Yeah, so it's just my intro consulting product. So every time someone wants to come and work with me, that's the engagement that I put them into. And uh, so it's just sort of a flat fee and a a very defined process where we talk about what performance concerns you have. When you're doing performance work, there's really two, there's only two things that I can do. I can improve the experience for the customer as in make the site not feel slow anymore, or I can reduce the infrastructure needed to run the site. Uh, So I can, you know, turn your, I can make your server bill smaller, right? I can do one of those two things. So I talk to the client about which of those things is more important to them. um, And Then from there, it's like just going through my process of looking at the metrics, figuring out what seems bad, what, especially, you know, because I have so much experience doing this, I can make these decisions of where are these opportunities for improvement, but they don't have a lot of work we have to put in to fix them, right? So, uh, you know, is there an opportunity for us to to have the memory usage of the sidekick process and like that's like a one-line config change if we just mess you know with something here um and stuff like that so then at the end of it they get this very um i i sometimes called it like a custom blog post because my blog posts have this reputation as these very big in depth you know affairs and so they're of similar size and scope to some of my my really big blog posts and it's like this nice long report that's an audit a Counting of where I think your performance skills are at and what per- specific ones need to improve you know what what are these mistakes I keep seeing in the code base and what is the skill you need to work on to, to avoid those mistakes in the future um, and then we just have a call to talk about the result and um, you know uh, and where we can go after that
0: awesome. So, diving into a blog post you wrote, I'd love to talk about the book that you published where you made actually over $131,000, which is amazing. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the process of getting that book out and marketed and whether or not you would ever do it again.
1: 150 as of today. Ooh. I- <laughs>
0: Congratulations.
1: Uh, yeah, it's um that kind of catapulted me down this whole route because so yeah, I, I would recommend, if, if anyone is interested in this question, to go read the whole post because I lay this out in in, in sort of step-by-step detail. But the, the the gist is that I started blogging about performance issues, um, and eventually David, DHH, uh, retweeted one of them, and it got this huge uptake. And I was like, hey, I could, I could do this. And uh, I, I just sort of kept writing in the same vein and just sort of working on uh my craft and my message and paying attention to what people what were the articles that people were sharing and reading the most where were they sharing and reading the most was it on twitter was it in reddit and i was building an email list this whole time so i was sort of working on and refining this this audience that i had and uh, what they wanted to hear about and all at the same time gathering this list of email addresses and then i you know locked myself in a dungeon and wrote a book. Um, And uh, then launched that about like, nine months after I had started to to the email list I had been building up. So I really had a a list of people who were, you know, who I in in the words of Seth Godin, I had the permission of those people to market to them in the future. And I used all that permission to um, give them a course that I thought, would help them make their Rails apps faster, um, and that's been doing really well. And uh, it it I, it made a lot of money by itself, which is great. Um, but it also completely changed my position as a consultant. So now I'm not just a consultant. I'm not a I'm not a warm body that you just bring in to fill in uh, on a project anymore. I'm you know a subject matter expert. I you know. Um, I can define my own engagements and, and work. Um, and it, you know, at this point is tripled or quadrupled my, my rate. So it, it, uh, it's something that I would recommend anybody that is working as a freelancer think about doing is writing more. I think it's a massively underrated career skill, even for people that are doing full-time, um, but uh, writing regularly, consistently, and and in your own voice is so so useful.
0: From the outside, I feel that you've been so successful because it is very easy to pinpoint what you're passionate about. Do you agree that if listeners are interested in going down the path that you did, that they really need to find something that they're almost a bit obsessive about?
1: I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I would agree with that. I always like to think about. Um, like, what does it take to start the next big credit card processing company? <laughs> like, Ooh, that's a you good know, one. Like, like, no one wakes up in the morning and thinks, like, Oh, I would just love to, you know, revolutionize payments or, or, you know, f- fit in whatever category is most boring to you on that, on that, right?
0: And mm-hmm.
1: you, you, not everyone is going to, like, you know, be able to write a blog about how great it is to travel the world or the surf shop they want to start, right? Um, right. You have to find aspects of the work that give you that punch, I guess. Like, I mean, I enjoy performance work, but I think what I probably enjoy even more is just the 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 feedback that I get from people after I fix things like, because it's always this stuff that's like, you know, that's been weighing on them for like three weeks. I just had a client that was like, Oh man, like I got to every night at eight o'clock, I got to restart on my Heroku dinos. Otherwise they're going to have out of memory errors overnight. And I was like, great, let's not do that anymore. Like this, the purpose of this engagement is now like you get to go to bed without thinking about your Heroku dinos. And, uh, (laughs) and to, to, that kind of like reaction that i get out of people like when they you know they they, they email me back or whatever like that is good enough for me I, I like helping people on these problems and it happens to be that i'm very good at 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 a specific you know problem solution space or whatever and um so yeah i think you just got to find the things in the work that that give you that pleasure it may not necessarily even be work itself i mean i find writing really hard like i i i've been uh uh, almost like a full-time author for like three years now and writing sucks man like it's (laughs) it's a it's pain it's just it's just like pulling fingernails out you know and like tons of writers more you know way 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 more successful and famous than me will tell you that too um you know S- Stephen King I, I can't remember the quote but something similar about having to chain himself to his desk to to get books out you know and uh but you know when they're done they can look back on the product they can look back at people's reaction to it and say wow you know i'm so glad that i was able to put this thing into the world so um yeah i just don't want to like put this image out there that i sit at my desk just like you know Uh, with a smile on my face 24 seven, because I I love performance work so much. (laughs) That would be, that would be a bit of a lie, I think.
0: (laughs) Well, you mentioned that you, you heard, well, that you had worked with a client who had the, the Heroku Dino restart issue, but, and I'm guessing ultimately led to a success. Do you often hear back from participants that have either graduated from your workshops or clients that you have worked with before?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And most of the time it's like, you know, we changed we we did all the things you said in your report and you know paid for it uh 10x you know from the server costs or whatever we were able to fix and yeah i mean i i get a lot of that kind of stuff and a lot of like this oh this thing that we couldn't figure out how to fix for the last year you know you just came in and showed us how to fix it so yes i i get that a lot
0: so I was excited to hear that you'll actually be leading a performance workshop directly after RailsConf. Can yes. you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah. Um, so it's uh, RailsConf this year is in Minneapolis 2019. It's uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then uh, on Friday, the day after the conference ends, I'm going to be leading a performance workshop at, this, at the conference hotel, the Hyatt Regency. Um, and uh, this isn't affiliated with RailsConf in any way. I just decided I'm going to go to RailsConf, so I should do my workshop. You know, for the people that are coming anyway. Um, and uh, these workshops are a day long. It's like nine nine to five, and it's all about measurement and it's all about um, metrics and how to, how to how to instrument the application for getting these performance numbers out, and then. After that, what do you do about them? Like, what what's a bad number? What's a good number? What do you what where where should that lead you? You know, in terms of your 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 performance investigation. Um, so we talk about we talk about benchmarking. Um, we talk about profiling the application. So figuring out where all the time goes during a typical request. Um, I talk about profiling not just like CPU and time, but also memory. So you know, when you serve one request, what 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 lines of the application allocate memory. Um, and a little bit of front end, I, I like to talk about front end because um, even most Rails uh, developers are actually full stack developers. Like they, they get tasked with writing the HTML and the JavaScript too. So uh, I end up uh, talking a little bit about front end because like I said before, the two things I can do with performance Worker are make the server bills cheaper, or improve the customer experience and what i like to show in the workshop is just how much of a customer experience of a website is driven by front-end performance um and how 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 little the back-end performance actually matters um in a lot of cases so i like to I'll, i'll i usually take somebody's website from the audience and like do a little demonstration of of um using chrome to figure out. Where it spends its time and stuff like that. So um, we kind of just go all over the place in terms of measurement profiling because it's the it's the fundamental performance skill. Because if you don't know how to measure it, um, you have no idea where the problem is. Performance is such a difficult um, field because we can have the problem anywhere between the the chip, the silicon, all the way to uh, The pixels on the user's screen and there's so much in between that encompasses so many different skill sets and tech stacks. So we have to teach people how to measure those things first and figure out where even the problem is Uh, because I've seen time and time again I see people make these. um, erroneous assumptions just based on guesswork that you know don't have any basis in measure any kind of measurement and then they get stuck uh you know for weeks and months and years not being able to fix the the problem because they weren't able to measure where it was actually occurring um so that whole workshop is going to be on on that topic um and uh yeah it's uh the friday after uh astroverse Conf.
0: oh i think that's so perfect it was very clever to put the two of them together and we'll definitely link up the uh the sign up in the show notes so, lastly, I just happened to see today that you're about to kick off a nine part series about Sidekick in production. Mm-hmm. Um, any preview of what the newsletter subscribers will see?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I just sort of was like writing about Sidekick this morning and I realized I had a bunch of different short thoughts on it that, it, like, none of them were long enough for like a, a single blog post. I was like, oh, this would make a great email series. So, I mean, it's just a combination. It's it's a, it's a, it's a uh, a conglomeration of all these different psychic issues i've seen in production over the years um the big ones are you know concurrency settings thread settings um, memory usage it's probably one of the biggest problems that people have uh, with sidekick when they come to me is it's using too much memory so i'm going to talk about why that happens and how we can fix it um the uh you know queue construction so like how do how do i decide how many queues i should have what should i put in what queue um there's some performance concerns there um item potency is the big one i see people screw up a lot um you know they try to get around this stuff with job uniqueness so they, they install all these plugins for like only run my job once or whatever but they could just not do that and uh you know actually just write jobs that could handle being queued more than once that's that's called item potency um the 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 reason that's a performance issue is because all these uniqueness and locks and all these other things that people do all increase the load on redis and uh that tends to be a, it's kind of a single point of failure because most people are just running a single redis instance um and then they like you know they install all this stuff and then like for job uniqueness or whatever they basically quadruple their redis load and they come to me and they're like why is my redis database melting um then uh, just sort of some scaling issues that I've seen with, um, you know, how do I go from ten jobs per second to a uh, thousand jobs per second to a, a ten thousand jobs per second? What are the issues that people run into, um, and uh, just some some little war stories and tricks of 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 getting Sidekick to to more massive uh, scale.
0: Well, as someone who uses Sidekick pretty heavily, I'm pretty excited for that. So we'll definitely uh, have that linked up in the show notes on how to get to your email newsletter list. Great. Um, So speaking of, Nate, how can our listeners follow you?
1: Um, I post a lot on Twitter. So um, that's just Nate Berkopec on Twitter, N-A-T-E-B-E-R-K-O-P-E-C. And uh, pretty much everything I do ends up on Twitter at some point. Um, If you don't like Twitter, don't use Twitter. Go to speedshop.co, check out my blog, sign up for my email list. Everything that's not on Twitter ends up on the email list. Um, And uh, everything else I do is at uh,
0: speedshop.co. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Nate. Listeners, be sure to check out Speed Shop and definitely follow Nate on Twitter. Talk to you next week.